This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Previously on Lost, this is episode number 22, and we are going to be talking about Exodus Part 1. And uh, I cannot do this by myself. I have myself here, Mike, and I also have Corey. How's it going, man? Hey, man. Oh, it is going very well. I really can't believe we're already on Exodus, but uh, ooh, exciting. It is. It really is. I'm, and I can't wait to see where this journey ends in season one, as if I've never known where this journey was going to end up anyways in season one. <laughs> but uh, I, have also with, I have also with me, um, Stephen, how's it going, man? It's going great. Going great. Good, good. Everybody's staying kind of uh, quarantined, staying kind of alone as much as they can, unless they have to go to work and and uh work from home if they can and try to stay safe out there and just uh, a public public service announcement um don't cough on people and wash your hands everybody so just trying to throw that out there uh but we are uh we're not talk we're we're gonna take a break from the quarantine mindset and the quarantine life for just a little bit and we are gonna talk a little bit about lost which there's really no quarantine in this episode it's just People are self-isolating just on a raft. Um, but we'll get into all that stuff in just an amazing second. There's no sh- there's no show announcements. There's no network announcements. We'll talk a little bit about what we plan on doing um, for the next couple episodes here when we get to that part in the, in the show. Um, but we are going to go ahead and move then, I guess. Does anybody have any other thoughts before we move in? I, I was just going to say, you know, it could be worse. Uh, instead of being in your house, you could be on a deserted island with crazy others trying to kill you. So that th- that is true, uh, but <laughs> uh, yeah, that 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 is true. Or you could be at, uh, well, I don't know. Crazy island worked. Crazy. Let's just say I think. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get any worse than a crazy it island could, right now. Could be better. <laughs> or you could be good you, thing. You could be running from the security system on the island. Just saying. <laughs> I think uh, that a lot of people are looking into the type of plants, the the type of bush that that, that are native on the uh, the lost on the island. You know, the the toilet paper bush. Mm-hmm. Trying to plant those in their backyards right now, but oh my, a little too late. Speaking of of uh, mean bushes, though, there's there's a, a there's a mean bush that attacks Danielle Rousseau in this episode uh, that I think we're going to talk about later on. That's right. That's right. Steven, <laughs> anything to add before we move on in? No, I've just I've been enjoying this quarantine, giving me plenty of time to read uh, read some books, read our mutual friend. Um, you know, just just hunker down in my bunker and and read some books. Yeah. Our mutual friend, which is 
uh, discussed on Lost later. <laughs> yeah, that, doesn't that, uh, Desmond have have yeah, that book? That, right. Yeah, that that was what I was going for there. Spoiler, spoiler alert. I've never, <laughs> I've never read that book. <laughs> well, neither has Desmond, so you know. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> no. I've got a few books to read. I haven't started them yet. I just keep, I keep watching um, TV and movies instead of reading. I should be, I should be reading more, but I'm not. So, anyways. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about the episode. So what happened previously on Lost, Stephen? Well, previously on Lost, Saeed stumbles into a trap set by Danielle Rousseau. During his time with her, she mentions that there are other people on the island whom she has never seen but has heard whispering in the jungle. Michael finishes working on a raft he plans to use to leave the island. Leslie Arts, the high school science teacher, warns him that monsoon season is about to arrive and they need to leave yesterday to have any chance of surviving the voyage. Just want everybody to know that Leslie is an awesome name, according to Hurley. I'm not going to use. I'm not going to say exactly what Hurley said, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, so this was season one, episode twenty-three. It was recorded. It, it aired on May eighteenth, two thousand five. It was directed by Jack Bender and was written by Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse. Uh, Rousseau arrives at the camp with the warning that the others are coming and that everyone is in danger. To protect the group, Rousseau leads a Jack and a team of survivors to the Black Rock where this where there is dynamite. Jack hopes that with it they can blow open the hatch and hide inside until the threat passes. Back at the camp, the survivors prepare for the raft for launching. Flashbacks depict some of the survivors as they make their way to catch the doomed Oceanic Flight 815. By the way, I must say... How crappy, how terrible would it have been if the Jack blew the hatch off that thing and the lowest that that hatch went was right there where the end of the dirt was and that was the bottom of the hatch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. What would be in that? <laughs> I, I thought about that. I'm like, what happens if said they would have gone a different route and just blew the top off and then that's that's like it. Like where they dug to was the bottom of the hatch. Or, or what if it's like a septic tank? That's right. Man, that weren't deep crap. <laughs> oh, so. This was a good episode, though. It was a very interesting um, episode, and I'm looking forward to kind of um, getting into it and kind of seeing what uh, what, what, what what happens here. And, I look, I, I messed it up, I think. I think I messed this thing up. You know what? You know what? I think I did. Isn't this great? This is how you know that you mess things up. So here's what we're going to do. Corey, why don't you tell us a little bit of facts about this episode? <laughs> I would love to. I would love to. Uh, well, I have a handful of facts here about this episode. This is the first episode since the pilot that didn't center on one individual, uh, one character for the flashback. Instead, we got flashback from Michael, Walt, Kate, Sawyer, Jack, Sun, Jin, Shannon, Boone, and Saeed, all showing what each one was doing before they got on the plane. Uh, one could also say Anna Lucia, which doom, doom, part doom. of another fact here. Only one, th another fact. Only one third of the Black Rock was built; the rest was CGI. That's pretty that cool. Makes sense. Uh, during filming the during the filming of the of the first season finale, each cast member was only given the script pages of scenes where they appear 
smart. And they and a lot there. of fan places still do that now. Because they like like I know for uh was it Avengers Endgame? That's what they did. They did they only gave the actors the scenes that they were in so they wouldn't be spoiled at the ending. I mean, if anything, it's only gotten worse now with like Reddit and all these forums, mm-hmm. places where people they they live their lifeblood is spoiler. Yeah. I just I have to get this little mini rant out. Some people love to go read all spoilers about every, about a whole show about a whole movie before they ever see it. They're like, oh my, no, I might see. It. I don't. No. Maybe you guys are like that. I can't relate to that. But no, I can't. Uh, anyway, not. Yeah, I think is it Tom Holland who he's the one who left the the script in the hotel, something like that. Tom Holland, is <laughs> <a> nutball man. <laughs> oh man, he's bad with the spoilers. Oh, uh, he he nearly spoiled many or both the Avengers. Good job, Tom Holland. Anyways, uh, another fact here. Uh, Michael, uh, standing on the almost ready raft, gives instructions. No, no, no. That one goes here. That one goes there. Pretty much quoting Han Solo atop the Falcon in Empire Strikes Back. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And, oh, I skipped one. Uh, the first appearance of Michelle Rodriguez as Anna Lucia this episode. Yep. Kind of skipped it. Kind of already mentioned it. Uh, and then lastly, in the flashback for Sawyer, the police point out that Sawyer was in a bar fight with Warren Trust, the Minister of Agriculture, Fisheries, and Forestry. Warren Trust really filled, uh, filled that role in the Australian government from 1999 to 2005. Wow, real guy. Okay pretty cool pretty and they cool. throw him under the bus or sawyer does says that the guy headbutted him and that you know went lied about it so yep it almost you know i i was believing sawyer in them i thought oh sawyer's probably truth guy but now the fact that it was a real guy almost makes me think that sawyer is the liar but that's <laughs> Never will. Never will. All right, so let's dig into it, guys. All right, four to eight episode moments or parts of this episode. So this episode really kind of sets up parts two and three, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, we're just going to, for the sake of this episode or this podcast, we'll just look at them as, as, as a three-part season finale. So this one really sets up um, episodes two and three of the finale. Um, I... A lot of things took place on this episode. Uh, what, uh, what, what, what? Some things that you caught you guys uh, caught your eye as, as, as far as what took place. Well, you know, I just want to say overall, I think the flow and the pace of this episode is great. Like, yeah. perfectly gives us these tidbits and like builds a, this uh, tension for the story towards the finale. But it also reflects back on the whole season, and I just think. No, I just want to talk a little bit about the flashbacks. Like the first thing I wrote down was the kind of the progression that we witness between uh, Michael and Walt. This first scene, you see, you know, Walt just really being, you know, a little butthead in the hotel room and turning the volume <laughs> up and running off. And you know, Michael's having having to say like, "Yeah, I'm his dad," and and. Yeah, the relationship is so bad at that moment. And then, you know, it just 
flashes forward to them them sleeping next to each other and they suddenly have this great bond and it's like Jin, it's like this happy it's like this weird little family of like uh michael Jin and and walt and so i think that was a great way to show show the progression there you see that with with a bunch of the other characters too but i think they have the most obvious progression and i think it's like the happiest of all of them and of course like with any tv show because they're the happiest they're the ones who get the roughest story the next season. Mm-hmm. I, I did like the way you mentioned Jen there because it, I, I love Jen and Michael's relationship here as friends that they, they, um, they, they have no idea what they're saying, what the other one is saying, but at the same time they do. So they, they, they understand, but they don't understand. And uh, I, I've, I have enjoyed that about this, about their episodes, for sure. Yeah, I love that they can argue with each other, even though neither of them really speak each other's language. Yep. But they can still bicker like an old married couple. It's funny. It's great. It's wonderful. Uh, one of the things that I had was the first time Rousseau ever showed up at the camp. I mean, this is the first time that every time we've seen her, she's always like, she's been the one to run to not want to see anybody but this is the first time that we actually see her stepping foot to where anybody else was at and and i don't know what brought it on but all we know is that and of course we saw she got distracted by you know turnip head and uh <laughs> and we don't we, we, we know what's going to come of that later on but yeah, it's a very it's a very eerie moment, mm-hmm. and they you know the way they zoom in on Claire and the and Aaron crying. Of course, like we know that you know, there's a reason why that's happening, but in the moment you you think that Danielle is just like surprised to see a baby. She hasn't seen a baby for 16 years. Little do we know at the time she's thinking of stealing said baby. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting that everybody like like Sawyer jumps out of tent ready to like take down Rousseau and and he with with a big just a stick and she's carrying her gun and and um so it was a good it was a good it was a it was an iconic scene to see her walking in and of course Walt was the one who saw her first because Walt had to go you know take a whiz because that's what kids it's a really cool <laughs> it's really cool cinematography too is they can like follow Rousseau and. You know, most of the time when, when we're at the beach camp, the focus is always like them at the beach and the ocean in the background. And this one, it's like the opposite. It's with it's kind of like with the dark, mysterious jungle in the background, which of course we get more, we get deeper into that as the season progresses. It's not as much just the beach, right? I I think the interesting thing about Rousseau is that anytime she shows up, it kind of just shakes everything up, you know, where all these characters are so used to interacting with each other that you have this, this is still the only outsider character that there's been other than, you know, the one who is deceased. Um, so, you know, she just kind of comes in and, and brings chaos into their world. And it's, I think it's really kind of a good way to start off the, the finale, the, the very long finale. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, what did y'all think about Saw- Sawyer and Jack's conversation? 
I think that is quite possibly the best moment of the entire series. Um, the the acting done by those two, I mean, that is ju- it's just about the most powerful scene in the in the whole series in my mind. Um, you know, Sawyer, he almost told Jack this earlier in the season, um, and even here you can kind of see he's just you know he's trying to decide whether the whether to tell him, and and he just you know he decides this might be. My last chance to, to tell him this, and oh man, does does that scene deliver? I just, be, you know, between the way Sawyer tells it and just Jack's response, you know, turning away, kind of choking back tears, it just a really powerful scene. Yeah, yeah, I think it really embodies like the whole, uh, basically the main themes of Lost too. I was thinking about it because I remember you. Uh, Steven, you saying, you know, we talked about it, I think, a couple weeks ago um, when we were talking about Sawyer's episode, how this was going to come back, um, be paid off in this episode, and you, I think you said it was, like, your favorite, that it was possibly your favorite moment in the whole show, which I totally, I see why. So I was thinking about that as I watched it today, and, you know, you basically, you have the idea of these two guys from completely different worlds, um, and they somehow, you know, have come to this understanding, even though they kind of hate each other in a lot of ways. And then you also have this, the themes of redemption and of, of kind of like regret and being able to have a second chance. And Christian is kind of like the example of the person who, who is, you know, Christian is very much like the rest of the cast and like how lost he is, you know, and how messed up he is. But he's the guy who doesn't get the second chance. He's, you know, he he dies, he drinks himself to death, and he never confronts these inner demons. Where the rest of the castaways, like they have to go through the process of confronting of these demons while they're, you know, stuck on this island. So it's really interesting. I think it's a cool way to look at, you know, the show between those three guys. And then it's just like such an emotional moment to see Jack and basically just the most most of the scene he's just staring down Sawyer and he does it all with his eyes well so speaking of I don't mean to kind of derail a different way but speaking of facing demons Jen's conversation with Sun alright brings the argument back in again of fate versus free will he said you see I didn't do this because I was trying to get away from you, Ness, as he was saying, I'm I'm here because I'm being punished. Because I'm being punished for what I did off the island. I'm being punished for how I treated you. I'm being punished for who else I hurt and that kind of thing. So he has to go because he has to feel like he has to be the savior. So we kind of see, like you said, people confronting their demons on the island. So do you think... I, I, I don't know. I, we could argue the fate versus free will. So was Jin destined to be on the island, or did he, you know, if... I, I don't exactly know where I was thinking I was going to end the, end in this plane, no pun intended. Um, well, let me just say, like, basically, Jin is saying that he's admitting that he was a horrible husband for a while, and he treated son, you know, so badly that basically God or destiny or whatever is punishing him. And this is like the hell or the whatever kind of purgatory that he's being punished with is, is the island. 
and it was part of it was the conversation he had with his, his father where he says like i know like what i have to do is make sacrifices to you know, leave their situation start a new life for him and son but he's concerned that it it might be too late and then of course he's like afraid of uh uh son's dad so I don't even know if he's really certain he's going to go through with it at this but it basically you know this is really interesting that he thinks this whole thing is way karma for his bad action and i think a lot of the other people can have the same have the same thought of course we know hurley thinks that in a different light with the curse Mm -hmm. okay but yeah i really like the sawyer and jack conversation myself though i must say i really did i thought it was very emotional i thought it was very to the point um I like the way Sawyer presented it to Jack rather than just coming out and say, Hey, I met your dad at a bar. He was drinking. He, you know, I like the way he actually came across that. Hey, listen, you know, I was talking to this older gentleman and he just started telling, telling different things. And you could see like Jack's facial face, like his expression started to change as he started like unleashing more and more of the details. Like you could see Jack was saying, you talk to my father like it's like like it clicked he knew they had talked to his father uh but i thought that was pretty good for sure i i kind of i feel like the the whole, everything that happened with jack's father with you know has really been weighing on him the entire time and you know as much as uh jack and sawyer have you know bickered and you know fought about kate and you know, kind of been at odds the whole season. They, you know, you can tell they've kind of built a, a mutual respect, kind of a an odd friendship. Um, but, I mean, Sawyer essentially just lifted this burden off of Jack that he's been carrying around, you know, since before he got to the island. And yeah. uh, it was just really well done and uh, kind of a great goodbye you know, goodbye between these two characters that didn't know if they would see each other again. Yeah, absolutely. What else do y'all guys got? I only I only had a couple more things on mine, but I want to hear some of y'all's. <laughs> well, um, the, uh, you know, there's so many different ways to go, you know, so much going on in this episode. Um, I don't know if we should follow the... Uh, the raft story, you know, we, we try to launch the raft. We get the broken mast, um, you know, which everybody Sawyer blames Sawyer. Up, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For some reason. So that was Sawyer's not sure how that was possibly Sawyer's fault, but you know, they, they kind of just brush him aside and then he goes out and, um, you know, solves the problem, um, you know, with his lumberjack skills. And then, uh, you know, they're uh, Jack kind of recruits the camp to, to said let's you know let's get this thing in the water, and um, you yeah. know there is a lot of a lot of goodbyes that happen, you know, before getting the the raft in the water. You know, we get the story about uh, Charlie collecting message in the bottles. Kind of has a couple good moments there. <laughs> With Locke and and Char with Hurley. and uh, Hurley when when you know Hurley tells him don't read that and then he immediately tries to read it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so yeah. So which, let's talk about the raft storyline then. 
Alright, so this fine thing finally gets in the water. Saeed gives him the radio transmitter, gives him the little, uh, uh, um, in a way, the sonar machine, and tells him once every day or once an hour, turn it on, turn it off, see what you find. And then uh, just to conserve power. So gives him that, give him a lot of fruit to go through. Uh <laughs> With you know, for for four people, that that fruit's not going to last long. Just be honest, um, especially if you pick it off a tree. So <laughs> they gave him enough food. I mean, what? well, those bananas were pretty green. <laughs> two days, two days, two days. No. <laughs> so, but if it's in the sun out in the open on the open sea, right? Open ocean. It's not like they had a you know a a fridge in the in you know in in, in the little fuselage area they had there, so. But uh, but yeah. So they finally got the launch off, and I remember, I remember this scene because like the way that Michael Giacchino like builds the music up, it's so great. I mean, it's wonderful. It's it gives you goosebumps. It's just, I mean, it's amazing that that the raft is finally off, and you see Jen looking back at Sun, and you see every you know Sawyer has looked for Kate the whole time, and Kate has looked for Sawyer the whole time, and neither one got to see each other, so you start to see that little love there between those two, or the little, little whatever blues bloom between them, and, and then all of a sudden you get, you see the, and then the black string comes across, and you think you're going to see the Lost logo, and then the way that Michael Giacchino does the music is you think you see the Lost logo, but nope. You come back to the island and you get this really grainy video. Of, it looks like somebody's holding the camera of the black smoke, and then you get the Lost out. I mean, the way it was done, what the sh- it was shot was just epically amazing. Yeah, I, th- I think that the, the, ra- the raft launching scene has got to be one of the best scenes like the whole history of the show yeah but i do think it's interesting the way the the episode starts and ends like with the smoke at the end like this very eerie moment you know it's the show is telling us that this is what it's really going to end up being about is the others that are the impending enemy that are coming soon and the smoke monster you know it reminds us but the, the launch of the raft is this great moment of hope list and like bonding all these people together and of course you know for those of us who've seen it we know that everything is just going to go to hell on this on this uh strip this plan like everything that can go wrong will go wrong but it doesn't take away from how how beautiful that moment is yeah and you don't you know lost is filled with a lot of like fun happy moments but i don't think you get a moment that is quite as joyful as that yeah like maybe maybe the rescue and i think uh, maybe when sawyer meets juliet in season six for the first time in the flash sideways at the candy machine yeah because you you knew that they really cared for one another so that that was kind of a really happy moment when they finally touched and they knew what had happened I think that was one of the happy moments too, just like the raft. But like, but you're right. The raft is one of those that it's really hard to compare with on the island. And let, let's not forget about Vincent running into the water. I mean, if that that there's a an emotional moment for sure, you know, chasing after Walt. <laughs> uh, 
um, Vincent Vincent really stole you know stole the scene there. I think as, along with the music. It, oh yeah. For all for all the animal lovers lovers out there, like that is a great moment. But even if you're not, I mean, how can you not get a little teary eyed from? That's right. From Vincent doing that, and I love the scene with with Shannon earlier too, where, where Walt uh, gives gives Vincent to Shannon, says you can talk to him about about Boone. Yeah, such a such a touching. It really was, and because animals have been proven to help with therapy a lot too so that was uh that that was really good that was a good moment for sure just for for walt to have the you know the foresight to even think about that you know he's gonna you know he's gonna be missing his dog but just i mean it kind of shows what a caring kid he is to you know be able to think hey you know maybe he can help out shannon you know she she's going through a rough time so yeah i thought that was a really nice scene as well and you said Walt it, and Foresight. Oh yeah. Oh. Well, he he is a special kid, uh, but Ooh, you know he's very it, special. And you know, just uh, hard to not think about the fact that Vincent never saw Walt again after this. You know, that's you know kind of a little bit heartbreaking there. That you know, Vincent Vincent had a good life on the island, but this was really the end of his time with with walt you know it's true it i really did did not remember that until you brought that up wow okay he lived out his days with uh uh um, rose and bernard but uh <laughs> the undercover dharma workers come on <laughs> oh my god <laughs> anything but no <laughs> You, it, it's actually pretty sad when you think about the four guys on this raft like you know Jin after this moment he has a rough going I mean he, he gets back to the, the camp and he, he has a pretty actually I mean not that bad he has a he has a happy kind of reunion period with Jin, uh, with with Sun but uh, you know ends up having a really rough three years apart and then Walt and Michael have the worst story probably I see Sawyer and then, uh, Sawyer does okay Sawyer does okay I mean he's the one who he, you know who would have thought that Sawyer gets off and survives in the end flies away <laughs> not I not I <laughs> so but I, g- g- I think this whole episode just really does a great job of like building like they have it, it's just great writing there's like solid stakes to everything that's happening building towards launching the raft and then going to save save everybody by getting the uh, dynamite but who would have thought that everything in both those stories is basically riding on this random character Leslie Arts he's the one who tells him about the monsoon he's the one who says like I know dynamite I can help you and I'm gonna go with you guys like you know, and then then he's running away from the smoke monster. He's like so important, and I wonder like, what it was like in in the writers' room. Were they were they stuck? Did they already have this character in mind? Like, it could could have totally been that way. Like they knew this actor, they wanted him to do this role, or maybe they're like, what what are we what are we missing? We need some random character. Well, I heard throw him in there. I heard a theory that. <laughs> that arts was actually a other 
undercover guy too, just like Ethan was. <laughs> that he because he's the one who caused them to go out to the raft early, so he was able to tell the others this is when they're leaving to catch Walt. Then he brought them to where. <laughs> the dynamite was so that he can come back and blow the hatch because maybe the others never could get into the hatch either. So so they needed to get, they wanted to get in the hatch too to, you know, that's how Ben was able, of course, to get in there because the hatch was already open. So there's a, there was a theory going around that Ars was actually an undercover <laughs> other in the camp. Well, I mean, he was on the man, though. Hurley says but that, right? But he could have... <laughs> But he could have killed somebody and taken their identity. They, yeah, and impersonated yeah, him. Yeah, they could have impersonated him. So there was, there was a lot or of interesting it really, Maybe it was a woman. He, it, maybe it was a woman, and he just, you know, he had to jump into that name and, and mm-hmm. claim that, no, Leslie, this is a man's name. Yep. <laughs> so. so fun, fun theory, but uh, I, I think to me, Arts was kind of meant to be the voice of all the other characters. Like, I feel like when this was airing there, you know, there, there was a lot of conversation about, yeah, you know, we're only seeing the story of these main characters, you know, but there's all these other characters. What's going on. And I feel like arts was the voice they gave to those characters. You know, we'll get, I think in the next episode, he talks about how there's clicks and how, you know, certain characters get the better supplies, and and so, so I feel like Arts was really giving the voice of the other survivors. I feel like that was kind of the the, the point of adding him in for the writers. Kind of a little, maybe a little fan service, but uh, that's my yeah. Take you, on it. Lost does a really good job. They do a good job of anticipating those type of comments or questions. And then just having one of the characters come out, say it, talk about it, have a character bring something up. Uh, Hurley often does that, but in this case, you need one of the uh, random people. Log Red shirts as, as someone would make... Yeah, the log-carrying <laughs> folks. <laughs> it was good. That's good, guys. That's good. At least he didn't go down with a flaming arrow. <laughs> no, he <laughs> would have been a little more painful. He went out with the. So actually, he maybe he went out. He sure did. <laughs> Boom goes the dynamite. Oh. So so some other things about this episode. What you got? So I, I think there's a couple interesting. Uh, I think we get a few season two. Um, tease moments in this episode and then you know the next Exodus part two and three there's not as many of those but there are there's still some but but they they definitely uh, obviously tease the Tailies with Michelle Rodriguez mm-hmm. as Anna Lucia which you know at the time I don't know I'm sure I recognized her but I don't know how well I knew her as an actress. But I'm I'm imagining that when people see her, and they know who she is, it's it's pretty obvious that she's going to be a character the next season. Do you do you agree with that? Or I remember when I first saw her in the show, I recognized her from from Fast and Furious. Yeah, yeah. So that's the only I, that's the only place I ever recognized her from. So I knew once I got her, I'm like okay, she I thought she's going to have a pretty good part, just because she's a pretty big actor to just give like a small one off role. 
I also felt that way. Like I feel like she was a she was a well enough known star at the time that that her just random inclusion here, you know, was kind of jarring. Like to me, she she was a bigger star than a lot of these people were at the time. Um, you know, maybe with the exception of Jack. Um, so yeah, I did, I did think that that her you know introduction here definitely you know. I don't know if it seemed out of place, but it definitely, you know, kind of made you wonder. Yeah, and she has a few key lines in there. She says how she doesn't, she's drinking because, well, she just spent her whole vacation drinking with Christian anyways, but but she doesn't want to, uh, she's nervous about being in the back because the plane, or the plane comes down on the, on the wheels in the back, which I've never heard anyone say that before, but it's a good way to explain that she's in the tail section, I guess. It might really be a thing. <laughs> I don't know if I've been on a plane that big. That is, like, when you walk, see shots of that, I mean, massive plane. Yeah, a plane do, does go down on its back wheels, though. Have you Have you never been on a plane? I've been on many planes, <laughs> but I usually... Probably just like watching a movie or something and not paying attention yeah. to land. Yeah, I I noticed it because it's like it's like a it's almost like a th- thump like real quick because it comes down on its uh-huh. it comes down on its back wheels and then with like a millisecond or two after that you 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 feel the front wheels hit the ground too. So um, well, I guess it just never bothered me. But oh, it never bothered me either. I enjoy a takeoff and the landing of a plane. But <laughs> it's a thrilling adventure. So. Uh, but, but anyways, uh, you know, it, I think what's interesting in that scene, I noticed this this little line that I didn't notice before. Jack says, what, I think I wrote it down. He said something about like, oh, he like kind of chokes on his drink. He's drinking, I think he's like vodka or something. And he has like a little like cough and she goes, not a drinker, huh? And he goes, uh, no, not exactly. <laughs> Isn't Jack supposed to be a drinker? Like I, I, am I missing something? Yeah, no, Jack is definitely a drinker. I, I noticed that line too. Kind of, kind of caught me off guard. Obviously his, you know, his drinking kind of steps up after they get off the Island, but he, even <laughs> yep. then, I mean, uh, you know, that, that's the first scene of the entire series is him, you know, asking for, or not the first line, but the first flashback of the entire series is him asking for some extra booze from, from Cindy, the, the, uh, the airline worker. Um, and yeah, like it seems like drinking is kind of a constant part of Jack's story. So that, that line, you know, caught my attention too. I, so maybe he's just lying. What were you going to say? I, I said, I was going to say that, that I, I, I agree. The, um, the, the one line that that she said to him that I remembered sticking out was, uh, of course she found out that her his his dad passed away was that she was leaving. She said, "Don't worry, it gets better after this," you know, and or she, or sorry, she said the, the the hardest part's already done, and I'm like, hmm, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, until you, yeah. well, let's just say Anna Lucia didn't have to chase down ghost of her father and find an empty casket <laughs> and you know i gotta kind that of that might wa- be the hardest part 
I gotta kind of wonder what she was even referring to there. I I assume it's, you know, probably the just grief in general, because you know her grief was from her unborn baby that uh, that died. But as far as I know, she hasn't lost a parent, so I guess she was maybe referring more to just generalized grief of losing someone. Um, well, I thought her father, I thought her father was dead. Was I, mean, he, I, I know they just feature her mom, but for some reason, like I don't remember specifically, but I thought that the history was that her father died at some point. It, it may have been. I, I I don't remember that part. Obviously, we see a lot of her mother, and we don't see her father. But yeah, maybe maybe there maybe we do learn that that her father passed away. But. Hmm. I think I also may have just assumed that based on the on the the line she gave there. Yeah. Hmm. But. Uh, maybe while we're on this scene, uh, be a good time to to mention the 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 seats they were setting in. Obviously, um, were the numbers. You know, Jack was twenty three B, and Anna Lucia was forty two F. A couple of numbers thrown in there, and uh, got to enjoy the line. You know, where they said you want to switch, which you know is just really an interesting that- hypothetical. <laughs> <laughs> that really would have been interesting to see what had happened if Anna Lucia was in charge of the front and Jack was in charge of the tailies. I, now I, that would be a fun little, you know, fan fiction to go into, grade them out, see how they would have done in each scenario. Oh, I think I, I think both I think both sides would have like been just done for. <laughs> yeah, I think both sides would have been worse off. I think they they got the right leader. So I, I don't know. I I think Anna Lucia and Saeed could have could have worked together pretty well. Um, you know, to 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 lead the the survivors that we know so far. I'm not sure how Jack would have done in the in the tail section, but uh, I think Anna Lucia could have could have. I don't know. Survive. Because we saw what happened when her and Sawyer got together, and and honestly, the more I think, <laughs> just, yeah. just saying, <laughs> Jack did break up a lot of fights that I'm not sure if Anna Lucia would have broken up, or um, she would have just dug a pit to put somebody in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So okay, so maybe it wouldn't have worked out that well. I don't know. <laughs> but actually, I could have seen Lot killing her. When she's not looking. <laughs> it's like, all right, you're done. Peace out. <laughs> Knife to the back. Yep. Locke has good aim. He does. For sure. For sure. But it was a very good setup then, episode. So, for real. Yeah. Yeah, the other... I would think I, the other moment that sets up uh, just a small story in season two is definitely the the very odd scene. You, hit, it, you know, they start taking off on their adventure and then... You have this shot of them on the cliffs, and Locke looks over at Danielle, totally as if he's checking her out, and she's like taking off her sweatshirt, mm-hmm. and you get this feeling of like this Locke Danielle romance, but it—he's not really—he's looking at the scratch on her arm, but it's just like the way they shoot it just makes it look like, oh, we got some romance for Locke, <laughs> and no, it's not that at all. And then he he mentions the scratches. It was one mean bush, right? Is that what it was? Mm, yeah, she, one mean she said, bush. said she got a scratched by a bush. <laughs> oh, mean bush. So that that's a good setup. That's gonna 
be a, a whole episode basically explaining this scrat when we learn what happened to Claire after Ethan took her. That's right. And don't worry, everybody. It is not in the expose episode. It is not in that episode <laughs> that we're going to enjoy getting to. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh. Well, anything else you guys got before we head on toward the end? Well, well, yeah, I think we we haven't touched on yet the uh, the black rock of it all. Um, you know, it's kind of been an ongoing, you know, little little side story the whole season. Claire had the black rock in her journal. There's been a couple mentions of the black rock, and I don't think anybody, you know, would have pictured that the black rock was a a ship. I think that was yeah. a big shock, a big shocker, when that happened. Um, you know, obviously begs the question that how in the world did this ship get in the middle of this island? You know, that's a, you know, was it a big tsunami? Is it did the island rise out of the grave? You know, it, it leads to a lot of questions, which is you know one of the the great things this show does is, you know really provide mysteries and uh, I think the, the Black Rock was a big one yeah and I think this just it shows you how much they're able to pay off like with this season the mystery they set up from episode one this crazy French lady who made this call and we, we learn about her she, she's great and she's even more mysterious and then she sets up the dark territory in the Black Rock probably like episode seven yeah and then we get to that, and it's awesome, and it's not at all what we expect. In fact, I think, you know, Dark Territory, Black Rock, it, it sounds like it could end up being a little corny and, like, not really live up to, you know, expectations, but no, it totally delivers in a very fascinating way. And then the Black Rock sets up all these questions that we will wait seasons upon seasons to get more answers to. But, but I will say, I think every time you get any scene at the Black Rock, or any answer uh, it's always interesting it's always awesome it's a great location and uh, there's some great stuff that's going to happen next week too. oh yeah it's going to be good it's, gonna be, it's just amazing though that we have to wait till season 6 get the answer to the black rock <laughs> on how it got there yeah yep so well i i mean we do get I, we get other answers throughout like the season 6 is like the full answer but you get like some teases, right? When uh, what's his name, Widmore? Is that like the auction and stuff? Right. I think we. You get the yeah, journal of, course, of the, the black the real rock. Answer, it, it was the it was real the, answer. It was, it was the captain's six. journal at the Black Rock, but it doesn't really say whatever happened to it. It just says it just disappeared. Yeah, I think I yeah. think basically. Yeah, yeah, we don't really learn that much about it. Yeah, we just I know think- that it's a, it's a slave ship that left somewhere on Spain, West Spain. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, also, just on the way to the Black Rock, um, I don't think we've touched on just a, we get a little bit more of uh, Rousseau's story um, about Montan losing his arm. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that, <laughs> that obviously sends sends arts away he says you know i've got i've had enough of this i'm getting out of here only to come running back 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, and we get, you know, what's what's the finale without a little bit of a smoky smoke monster? Um, I I was really intrigued by Locke's response to the snow or to the smoke monster this time. Um, you know, I couldn't help but think of your uh, your theory we've talked about a lot, Mike, about mm-hmm. you know when when did. Locke becomes smoky, and his response here, you know, just telling Hurley, just just wait, wait, we're going to be fine. Um, I thought that was interesting. I don't know. Anybody have any thoughts on what was going on well, there? Rousseau did say it infects, or, or, or her people were infected once they crossed into the Black Territory. I'm just saying, Locke <laughs> could have already been affected. We don't know. <laughs> Well, I just I think Locke is a really lovable guy. He's the type of guy who will stop and pet a dog, and he just thinks of the smoke monster as like a big fluffy dog. You know, he he had that one moment where he stared at it, and it was beautiful. And so now, he's like, oh, let's not be afraid. We'll be fine. He kind of he kind of has this theory: if you just like stand down and you don't act aggressive, that uh, you know you it'll fly up and you can pet it or. I don't know. I don't think I don't think he's infected. Uh-huh. I guess is what I'm saying. I think Locke is a little by the end, too trusting. By the end of this podcast, I will have convinced you that Locke was already infected from season one. <laughs> it's gonna happen. Locke was only infected with a passion for life. <laughs> well, he was infected when he landed on the island again after he died. Because the man in black took over I, his body. Well, well, what I, do you think about the line where she says it's a it's a security system? How does she know what a secu- I just had a question. How does she know what a security system is? Because I want you to think about this. So she's been on what, island for 16 years, right? All right. So it was 10. So you're looking at like 1988 when their when their ship was shipwrecked on this island. All right. I, she probably could have known what a security system is, but I'm not. I mean, they've been around a long time. Not like we know them as, as a security system, but... Yeah, maybe not like in the ADT kind of home security system, but, I mean, there's a lot of different security systems, you know, military and, um, you know, your dog in your backyard, you know, could be referred to as a security system. Uh, with Sandlot out at this time, I don't remember, but, uh, I mean... I feel like she would have the the knowledge of what a security system meant. Um, it was definitely an interesting, you know, choice of words by Rousseau. Um, obviously, we see in the future what happened to lead her to believe that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It was. It. I. I do see what you're saying. I. I think that. That was the best thing she could have called it, but she, you know, she'd been on again for 16 years. So the only thing she ever knew it as, anytime she went somewhere where she maybe she wasn't supposed to be, the smoke monster would show back up again. So to her, it was a security system, it, whether it protected the others or whether it was um, there just because it was it. You weren't supposed to do certain things. I don't know, but it is interesting. She she used the term security system for it. Yeah, I think ultimately there's. She doesn't know why it's there, but she may know that it is not really—it's not really on the side of the other. That it attacked 
all sorts of things in anybody. So to her, the only allegiance that this thing has is the island. And it's some sort of security system to protect something. And, you know, Rousseau is so in the dark. But, you know, over the course of 16 years, uh, I think she's able to pick up on a lot of things that are pretty truthful. I think that, yeah, I mean, some a lot of people like to discount Rousseau's knowledge. Like, how does she know these things? She lives by herself. But when you're thinking think about 16 years of, of experience and stumbling upon things and kind of your gut instinct instinct as you have these interactions with smoke monster or near interactions with other other uh, strange things on the island i think that she has a lot of good good information it's not all missing right Honestly, saying that reminded me of one other thing that happened this episode, which is when, you know, Rousseau was looking at the hatch, and she said she'd never seen anything like that before. Um, which does, you know, kind of make me wonder. As you said, she, you know, she spent a lot of time wandering around the the jungle, hiding, you know, building her own little... How did she never run in... You know, our characters run into these hatches all over the island throughout the course of the series. Like... How did she never run into any of this stuff? Is buried. Well, telling the truth. Yeah, it was buried. I'm going to give a very John Locke answer and say it wasn't her destiny, (laughs) (laughs) or she wasn't ready to receive it yet. (laughs) She wasn't ready. That's funny. Yeah, the only other one I could have seen her running into was. Oh, which one was it? It wasn't one where the plane fell off. It wasn't the hatch. It was the the other station that had like the goat and the one eyed guy that I can't remember. Oh man, I can't remember the name of that station now. Oh, um, it's from Enter Seven Seven, whatever it's right. called. Right, that's the, the only uh, one I could, the communi- the communications right, the communications one. That's like the only one I could have actually seen her ever running into. Light post, maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah. But you have to understand they they set the boundary. She was aware of the boundary uh, of where she wasn't supposed to cross, like what was her territory. And it, and it's actually kind of fun if you look up these these fan made maps of the island because there's no official map, but based on like how people describe everything, people have created these maps. You can see that that Rousseau and uh, survivors of the of the plane are kind of on the south side of the island. And the others are more like on the north side. The tailies are more like on the north west. So if you just kind of picture it like that, Rousseau, and then the dark territory is, is kind of like north east. You picture it like that, Rousseau kind of stays on her corner of the island. And a lot of the Dharma Initiative stuff is, is further uh, on the other side of the island. And if you, you also remember in season five, we learned that, you know, Dharma was only supposed to build their stuff in a certain area as well. The Swan Station was the one that they they built that was outside of their their boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. They snuck into the others, the native or what do they call it? the on the natives or the uh, hostels, yeah. the hostels. The host- that's right. Hostels, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they they snuck into the hostel territory, and that's where they built the Swan Station. But I do. I. I mean, I get that it seems weird that she she found the radio tower, but nothing else as far as a hat. Okay. 
I do love her little. She has a couple, couple good lines. Uh, when she says, "You have three choices: run, hide, die." <laughs> and we'll see what they do here in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where were they going to run to, though? I don't know about that. Right. I. I. I have. Yeah. I mean, the caves. Yeah. I mean, I was like, the best they could have done. I mean, yeah. Hey, look, I'm yeah, just... Kind of what, what they end up doing. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of running, actually, I did like the little... I mean, it's kind of corny, but the scene with the Marshall and Kate, mm-hmm. that's a pretty good pretty good flashback. That was it does, really It good. does a good job. I know that we... You know, I wasn't... You know, we, we spent the last episode talking about how I am not a huge fan of the airplane. But I do, you know, they try to bring it full circle. And, you know, they try to remind us why we have all these guns. And so it does a good job of, like, staying committed to the uh, logistic, you know, to the logical explanation to all these things. Mm-hmm. And it, it's kind of a fun, fun scene. I also really like that character, the Marshall character. He's really cool. So anytime we get to see... Oh yeah, absolutely. Another thing I liked about that scene is, to me, it it felt like it gave me a little bit better understanding of the timeline of, you know, we've seen several Kate flashbacks by this point, um, and he even references something that happens in the future, or, you know, that we haven't seen yet, which is that she starts calling him and taunting him, as he calls it. But to me, the, the, the way he laid it out here kind of, you know, he gave, I think, the number of years and a couple of spots between, you know, certain events. So to me, it kind of laid out Kate's story in a little bit easier to follow manner than I think we, you know, we've just gotten pieces here and there. That's a good point. I think he, I think she's on the run for like three years or something like that. Yeah. yeah it's I, a pretty, it is a really year. cool story. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so, you know, also, and you know, we haven't talked in the about all the flashbacks. Um, it's also kind of a kind of I don't know troubling scene where you know it's it's a little ironic uh, considering where Shannon and Saeed are now, but how Shannon um, uses the uh, the the clim- the climate at the time towards Muslims to uh, to get Saeed questioned at the airport kind of a interesting little scene between shannon and boone of you know hey Hmm. i can do bad stuff you know i don't know not a real yeah definitely not not the most (laughs) not the most flattering scene of janet that's for sure no uh i mean i think it i think it is a good a good way to show again like the progression of where these characters have come from but I, I definitely think it's less it's less interesting than some of the other flashbacks. And it sucks for Saeed. I mean, come on, Shannon. Yeah. I wonder if she ever I wonder if she ever admits to this. She remembers it like when one of their their nights on that, the beach. That's what I was wondering too. That's what I was wondering too. Is like, does she remember him? You know, once they start interacting at the, you know, which really happened on what the first or the second day when. You know when they when they took the trek, and uh, you know found the French woman's signal. 
like that was pretty recent. You know, did, did do you think Shannon remembered Saeed or was he just, you know, she just knew she did that to some Muslim guy at the airport? I think she just knew and she just did it to some Muslim guy at the airport. I don't think she actually knew who it was. Well, she yeah, well, I, I, she, I don't well, know. Well, well, I don't know. She used the phrase Arab, so she did it to some Arab guy at the airport. I think, and I think it was interesting that she did that, and 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 the reason she did that, and the reason the writers put that in there is because of all the heightened security that was going on after after nine eleven. You know, it's only three years later, no, four years after, almost four years after what had happened. So, so, so something like that would, you know, obviously the airport security would have, you know. Hey, I saw an, an 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 Arab that just left a bag. Obviously, knowing what had happened in 9/11, security was going to be on full alert to figure out what had happened. Yeah, not a good look for Shannon, but it, it is it again is a very relevant topic at the time to show. I mean, she shows. I think what does she say? Look what I'm capable of to show. Like just with a little complaining. Uh, Today, the, the show might have called her Karen, not Shannon. There's a lot of jokes. You know, Karen, who the, complains to the manager all the time, uh, how she can get her way just by complaining or whatever. They, yeah. they would they would have had to give Shannon a totally different haircut to, for that. <laughs> a very different haircut, yeah. More like uh, Cindy, but, but to a more intense level. But, yeah, I think... That scene, that it was definitely an interesting scene, but definitely one that, uh, you know, you're like, oh, Shannon, you have uh, forgot how bad you were at the beginning of the season. That's right. The the whole scene with Jin and Son, I don't think that one is, is that great of a scene, to be honest. Probably the weaker of the flashbacks, but it is a preface to the to a much stronger flashback scene in the next episode because you know Jin gets the coffee spilt all over him and you know you have like the random snotty people talking about them uh, to me they seem like producers or something like that but then he goes in the bathroom and I think in the next episode that's where we get the guy threats him the, the guy who works for Mr. Pike which is a really good scene but it's odd that it, you know it happens in the next episode. I I will say that it feels like in the the course of the whole series, it seems like we may have seen this scene the most. The the scene of sun, you know sun spilling the coffee on Jen. It, just, it seems like we see it three or four times. That they generally go back to this moment several times throughout the course of the series. I, my my memory may be mistaken, but it just seems like we see it a lot. No, you're right. I think it happens in the, the flash sideways for sure. Yeah, and uh, I would say it's up there with the uh, the scene at the incident where Juliet falls in the, you know, falls down the hole. I feel like we see that one three or four times. There's a couple scenes that really stand out to me. It's like, oh, this scene again. We we've seen this yeah. many times. It's um, a, oh yeah, a motif of sorts. But I, I do think what I like about Jin's character, it, there's a lot of times where people don't really apologize for their actions. They just like make up. They kind of like redeem themselves in some way. Uh, Jin, 
pretty much I mean no he actually does he he apologizes in this scene you know to or in this uh, uh, episode to son says I'm sorry for everything and he straight up says like this is you know he shows how severely sorry he is by saying I think this is all punishment for my act and so yeah Jin was a pretty you know chauvinist kind of jerk uh, hot-headed guy throughout a lot of the season but he does come around admit to his faults where a lot of characters TV shows they never really they just do something kind of redemptive later and they're forgiven for all yeah yeah it's it, it was good it was good character growth for Jin and for Sun I think it was a needed reconciliation before they got it before he had gotten on the raft too like I, I don't I don't think they could have made it so he couldn't get on the raft before they had made up so it need to have been done well uh let's uh let's move on then uh to a couple things we have a new we had a new section but nobody is involved in a section this week it's our in memoriam section but nobody got killed this week so that section stays clean rest in peace uh the first mast actually that that, that, that died mm, <laughs> that is true that is true mm, the first mast mast uh but let's give some overall thoughts about the episode so uh steven give me 15 to 16 seconds on your overall thoughts on this episode well the uh the this was a great episode just in the sense of the the feeling of hope and victory for our for our losties you know our our characters that they get a big win in this episode, which is getting that raft launched, which has been, you know, taken up half half the first season, the building of the raft, and um, I feel like this first part of the finale just did a really awesome job of telling, you know, getting us ready for this, telling goodbyes, um, and just getting that raft. Lo- that raft launch is kind of hard to say. Uh, I feel like that really ended this first part of the finale um, just on a real high note, despite the little bit of smoke there at the end. Um, I feel like it was just a great episode all around. Good. Good. Corey, how about you? Well, I think this episode seamlessly uh, brings together like the culmination of the whole season and all these characters really raises the stakes uh, for everyone and then clearly gives us two main storylines that we're going to follow through the finale with the raft and the the black rock adventure and i think you know every minute is great and it's just a fantastic episode i would say it's flawless but there is one shot that has a boom mic in it, so you can't quite say it's flawless. <laughs> but no, no, I, I would actually I think it is flawless. But it, there is this random scene I, when the when they're launching the raft, mm-hmm. one shot when they're looking back in the water, and it's so funny. Like once you know it's there, you see it, but uh, you don't. It, the, the shot is so focused on the water that you don't notice that there's a guy holding in a camera. Like they're so clearly in the background, but. They left it in for a reason because you don't really see it very easily. Wow. Anyways, hmm. the beautiful episode. Well, I uh, I give it. You know, it's it's a, it was a good episode. Uh, had the raft, had the black smoke, had the black rock. 
Um, it set up a lot of storylines for the finale, as well as a lot of storylines for future episodes and future seasons. That um, that that's very, especially the Black Rock. So that's gonna be interesting. Uh, the whole thought of a dynamite, the hatch. I mean, just the amount of things that's that the Lost creators were were putting in place to get ready for season two was just amazing. Um, so it was a very good, it was a very good setup episode. I, I really enjoyed it. So, so Stephen, you you had the uh, you had the rating system this week. So how did you decide to rate it? Well, I think we're gonna rate this one uh, one out of twenty three mean bushes. Oh, those mean um. bushes! A <laughs> <laughs> one uh, mean bush. That that was a mean bush. Um, so Mike, how many? mean bushes would you give this episode i very rarely give perfect scores to episodes or movies but this uh these are some of the episodes that i give perfect scores to so this episode to me was uh absolutely perfect it had great story great character arcs great development great setups um the music was on key the effects were, were just there so to me it's 23 out of 23 mean bushes all right, we got a perfect perfect score. Corey, what what was how many mean bushes would you rank this episode? Well, I I think that uh, you know if Rousseau was was walking through this, she would have a lot more scratches on her because I'm gonna follow Mike's footsteps and go with 23 out of 23 mean bushes. Yeah, another, I mean you've, another you, perfect score. Yeah, perfect. You got the story, you got the execution. You know, I I'm left wanting nothing else out of this episode. It's fantastic. Good. Good. Well, for myself, uh, my my high school or my college English professor, um, playwriting, screenwriting teacher, he always said that you don't give a standing ovation for he it drove him crazy when people go to a movie or or a you know, a play, a concert, anything, and give a standing ovation every time. He said, "You gotta, you gotta save the standing ovations for the ones that really mean it." And I feel like that's kind of the same perfect score. We've had a lot of good episodes this season, but I feel like you gotta kind of save that perfect twenty-three for the right episodes, and, and this was one. So I also gave this one at twenty-three mean bushes. So that's uh, across the board. We got twenty-threes out of twenty-threes. I mean, I, between the the Sawyer Jack scene and the um, raft launch scene, I don't know how you could give it anything else. Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to come up with a uh, perfect score setting again together, all three of us. So, uh, but I don't know. We could actually, we could with the uh, rest of the finale. We, we haven't got the str- we haven't got the stranger in a strange land yet. Don't you know? Don't oh sell boy! Sh- oh my gosh! <laughs> or. or- <laughs> Oh, we haven't got the expose yet either. Oh no, uh, or or expose. You know. there, there's still a few. I think opportunities Stranger in a Strange there. Land is going to set the record. Oh my goodness! All right, well, some, twenty-four out of some, some ending things. Uh, the only Sawyer's name dictionary had is he called Doctor the Detective Calderwood Doctor. Uh, as far as pop culture connections, uh, Microly, we already said this. Uh, it's a Star Wars one. Micro Angley says to Jin, "No, no, no. This one goes there. That one goes there." The same thing Han tells Chewie. Empire Strikes Back as they repair the Falcon at the beginning of on Hoth. Um, 
Power Rangers before the flight. Walt, Walt watches the show in a hotel. And memoirs of um, Geisha, Gina, and Jeff notice <laughs> Gina and Jeff notice Sun spilling coffee on Jen. As Sun then jumps to help him, Gina remarks that his memoirs of Geisha come to life is a novel by Arthur Golden, published in 1997. Did those two characters actually have names? Where did they get these names for those characters? Gina and Jeff. I don't know, but it's Gina and Jeff. <laughs> did they have name tags on or something? I do not re- <laughs> I don't know either. You know, there were actually several several deleted scenes. There was a lot more development to them. <laughs> we learned how they didn't make the there. final cut. They were part of the tailies. They just didn't they they just had, they never got any screen time after that. Oh, they just yeah. complain about everything on the island <laughs> this constantly. This is so small. <laughs> this fire's not big enough. <laughs> oh, we need to make the pit bigger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so here's what we're gonna do next. You know, Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Sawyer's name dictionary did did make me think. I've never asked a clarifying question on the name dictionary. Does it have to be a nickname for a person? Because we did get, uh, Sawyer had a nice nickname for the dynamite this episode, the Boomsticks. So I don't know if that would qualify. <sighs> I think it's, it's got a person, to be a person. I think it's got to be a person. Okay, all right. I think it's got to Just be a person. Just had to person. clarify. Got, got to be a person. Right. So, <laughs> uh, next episode, we could do part one by, I mean, part two by itself, but we're not. We're actually going to cover two episodes. We're going to cover Exodus parts two and three. So we're looking at. Um, about 80 plus minutes of content and we're gonna we're gonna go in and dig around so we really want you guys to be um, part of that one if you can and then right after that um, we're gonna do kind of a retrospective episode um, of season one and kind of some things that we're looking forward to happening in season two so uh, it's gonna kind of be retrospective but also a um, a a, a flash forward of what we expect to happen we know what's going to happen in season two but some some highlight moments that we enjoy from the season coming up and we can't wait to see again um like expose and that kind of thing so keep those wonderful things in mind and in closing you can find all of us on twitter at retrozapped um at lost rewatch pod you can find me at the dc fanboy steven where can our folks find you at lucky 13 steve on twitter and Corey, where can they find your ever present, uh, constantly aware on Twitter account? <laughs> uh, you can find that at Original Mav. Awesome. Find me at Original Mav. <laughs> <laughs> and again, you can find all of us in the RetroZap Discord. I encourage you guys to check it out and talk some more inside the Discord about it. And like everything, you can find everything at RetroZap.com. So. Until next time, uh, my thought is, wash your hands, guys. Wash your hands. That's all i got to say. Y'all got anything else? That's it for me. Same here. Boomstick. Boomstick. So, (laughs) until next time, peace out, everybody.